Welcome to the D&D Roundtable, your premier source for D&D news. We cover everything D&D from Wizards of the Coast. We cover updates from the convention circuit. We cover new and exciting products, casts and streams, and events for D&D. We cover happenings in organized play. If it's D&D related, we cover it here. you're going to need precision. AwesomeDice.com has sharp edge dice for a fraction of the price of other such precision dice sellers. Chill out, my man. Oh, hello, Bard. Please, share your bardic inspiration about dice. Yeah, I've got bardic inspiration dice. It's this totally mellow cannabis-themed set with smoky interior exclusively available at awesomedice.com. I see. Well, precision, bardic inspiration, or one of countless other unique dice sets. It seems you can get it all at the most awesome dice company on the internet, awesomedice.com. And don't forget to let him know the Tome Show sent you, dudes. Welcome to the D&D Roundtable. I'm Paige Lightman with my fellow co-host, Jenny Loveday. Today, we have the pleasure of talking to Mike Sheet. Mike has Hello. been a fixture of D&D for 15 or 20 years and has some great kind of broad sweeping insights into the hobby as well as DM advice uh, but before we start with all of the of the the real pointy questions, we're gonna have an icebreaker question. Our icebreaker question is: What is your favorite spell from any game? This is ostensibly a D and D podcast, but the the question is clearly worded in any game. That's not rhetorical. That is not rhetorical. Awesome. Uh, and I'm and I go first. I'm gonna go with prestidigitation. Uh, Why? Because it's like a zero level wish spell. Uh, you can do like all kinds of crazy stuff with that spell. You can light fires. You can put fires out. You can create little illusionary things. You can make sounds. You can clean things. You can make things dirty. You can move dust around. It's like if any of us actually had a spell like that in real life, we we could make all the money in the world, right? Like you could, it's, it's, there's, there's so much you can do with that spell. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a cantrip. You can cast it as often as you want. You can cast it all the time. You're so, the most effective maid service ever. Right. You know, like yes. you could be a dry cleaner that needs no water and no material. Like how awesome is that? Right. So yeah, I, I just, I, I think it's an, an awesome and probably highly underused spell for, for, for 5e. For, for yeah, Certainly unrelated. Uh, so I'm going to break the rules because that's what I do. Uh, my favorite spell from D&D is <laughs> Glitter Dust from 3.5 because boy, howdy, that was the Black and Decker Pecker Wrecker of low level spells. <laughs> like it was awesome. Like blind your opponents and they are screwed. Um, my favorite spell from any game 
is from Shadow of the Demon Lord, <laughs> and it's called <laughs> Defecation. I knew you were going to say that. You, you know what I love about that spell? The 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 artwork. I mean, everything. Oh yeah. The yeah. artwork in particular, because there's three three people that have been hit by it with a a beam of wood strategically placed to avoid showing exactly uh, where right. all of their bad things are coming out. Yes. It's an amazing uh, piece of artwork. Yes. Basically, you shit yourself to death. And um, there is a certain catharsis in being able to cast that spell in game. Because you imagine everybody who's ever picked on you, like, you know, Katie from fifth grade. And anyhow, it's a good time. Good time. Can I, I, can I just interrupt real quick? I actually had another spell that I was considering, which was also a Shadow of the Demon Lord spell. Now, oh, yeah? Which one? It wasn't Hateful Defecation. It was actually in the new book of spells he had. I don't even remember the name of it, and I didn't look it up because I knew I wasn't going to pick it. But basically, the spell kills. It, it's, it's like a town-wide spell or a city-wide spell. It kills mm-hmm. everybody that is under like the age of 17 and, <laughs> and sterilizes oh, right. everybody else. Yep, so it, it yep, basically yep. completely wipes out an entire city, but not all at once. It just right. ensures that no one will ever propagate future, in that city again. Future genocide. Yeah, it's like future yes. genocide. It's an amazing, like, you know, from a story perspective, it's a crazy Oh, story. yeah. It's kind of awful, but yeah, it sounds yeah, like that's a rob. That's that's a very, it's a very small enough. thing. It was awful enough that I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go with prestidigitation. That's far nicer. <laughs> but then Paige brought up hateful defecation. So now the I mean, gloves are off, right? Yeah. I, I 100% knew she was going to say that. I was thinking in my mind. I'm like, this is going to be Paige's spell. Um, <laughs> my husband is, da- when I yelled hateful defecation, my husband is downstairs hollering <laughs> because it's his favorite. Thing. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. I want to do two because the spell that I love to cast the most, <laughs> because nothing, there's very, very little that can't be solved with the proper application of fire. So therefore, fireball. <laughs> Fireball's a good one. Um, sure. But sure. then. Also, I really, really, really love animate objects because every time I think about someone casting it, I think about Fantasia yeah. <laughs> and all the little dancing at me. Yep. <laughs> so any, brooms. Yeah. any of your animated objects in my game, they're, they're animated in song and dance. <laughs> Absolutely. I, it should be a somatic require or verbal requirement, right? Should yeah, if you've got forks, they're doing the can-can. Yeah. Be our guest, be our guest, put our service to the to test. The test. <laughs> Tie the napkin around your <laughs> Okay, well, um, well then, uh, why don't you actually introduce yourselves to our listeners and tell them what you do game-wise, and I, I guess for your for your day job, too, if you want. Oh, sure. Um, day job's boring, so I won't talk too much about that. Uh so yeah, Mike Shea, I, I write the website, uh, Sly Flourish, write for the website, Sly Flourish. And uh, I've written a bunch of books, probably the most popular of which is a book called Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master uh, about how to get more from your game prep by doing less, which which people seem to enjoy. Um, I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've freelanced for lots of different companies. I freelance for Wizards of the Coast and Pelgrim Press and uh, Sasquatch Games and Kobold Press and uh, a bunch of others and then started writing my own started writing what were you writing for these companies so i wrote uh for for wizards back in the fourth edition days i wrote a bunch of articles for dungeon and dragon magazine mm-hmm. and i wrote two of their they had these uh in-store programs called lair assaults 
And yeah. I wrote one of the Lair Assaults and then myself and Scott Gray, uh, an editor, a freelance editor for Wizards of the Coast and, and Teo Sabadia, uh, wrote a uh, adventure for Wizards called Vault of the Dracolich, which was the first D&D Next adventure uh, released as an in-store program and is available on the DMs Guild now. For 4th Ed or updated to 5th Ed? It's still for D&D Next, but it's pretty easy to convert. Sure, so, sure. Yeah, I have an article on Sly Flourish about how to convert it. Um, All right. <laughs> I also have a couple of D&D, uh, a couple of Adventures League adventures that I wrote a while back, mostly I think for season two and three or something like that. Um, two and, sounds two right. Four. Yeah. yeah, two was one of them. And then Curses, I did one for the Curses Rod season, which was season four. That was, yeah. that was four, four yeah. yeah. And yeah, all sorts of stuff. Mont some, a couple of monsters for Cobalt Press and I, one of their uh, Warlock layers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I've done a couple of books of my own adventures. Uh, one's called Fantastic Adventures and another one's called Fantastic Adventures Ruins of the Grendel Root. These are a bunch of adventures that you can grab and drop into your campaign wherever you need them. They're like relatively low level adventures, first to fifth level that you can mm-hmm. grab and drop in. I feel like you missed a prime opportunity to subtitle that and where to find them. Ruins of the Grendel Root, where to find them. Fantastic Adventures fantastic and where adventures to find them. To find them. <laughs> yeah, and then I can wait for those lawsuits to come in. Um, uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I've been writing a lot and, and yeah, yeah. And other, other odds and ends podcasts and some other things. Too. Yeah. So you mentioned Teos, which actually, uh, t- takes into a, an aside about flumps, which Paige, do you want, do you want to actually ask the question? Uh, I didn't write it down. So if you have it on your clipboard, then... Okay, so speaking of flumps, we were actually recently recorded with the GM, Tim. And he was telling us about a game where you wore a flump as a mask. So I, I, if I recall, we all, I think we all had to. I don't think I was the only one that did, <laughs> for the record. Oh, the story has changed. <laughs> oh, it was actually, a, I think, a funner part of that, funnier part of that. It was a wonderful game. Boy, he is an awesome, he is an awesome, awesome DM. Yeah, he is. And um, yeah, we were, it was a goblin adventure. We were like mm-hmm. five goblins running mm-hmm. around doing a bunch of goblin stuff on, on like a contest. And part of it was sort of gathering materials to build. Ma- yeah, we all had to have one. I do remember. We all had to kind of build our masks and we had to draw them and then show them. And everybody had like different kinds of masks. And mine looked like in Morden Joe from Mad um, Max Fury Road. It was, it was all flump parts. So it was like flump tubes and like a flump hat, but it all looked like, you know, had the teeth, the Morton Joe teeth. Oh and, God, that's um, great! Yeah, but the the best part was early <laughs> early on in the adventure. I'm cracking myself up, my own story. So early on in the adventure, we we saw a bunch of like angry chickens pecking at a guy, and instead of killing the chickens, I think we we managed to like chase a couple off and grabbed one and stuck it in a bag, and it it was on like this guy's he, he like had it in the bag and and it was unconscious, right? So he, he had this unconscious chicken in the bag and he put it on like the side of a, a mule or a horse or whatever. And the whole adventure went by. And at the end, the chicken woke up and started pecking through the bag and hit him and turned him to stone. And we realized, oh my God, we've been carrying a cockatrice around for the whole adventure. <laughs> and it was the, like the last scene was, well, those weren't chickens at all. And then you think back and you're like, how did we not know they were co- like, how do we not recognize cockatrices? Like, you know, but, but we were... <laughs> Totally in character, like, hey, these chickens are attacking a guy. So that, that was pretty yeah, funny. It was great. And th- th- the fact that Tim remembered that and pulled that out in like mm-hmm. the last five minutes of the game was We gotta was awesome. I think we have to find the rest of the players to get the whole story it now, was, Paige. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was awesome. My wife so, was there, Janine. Yeah, Tios, yeah. Janine, you're get ready. Your invitation to round table is coming. <laughs> yep. 
uh, DM David, David, David Hartledge, the guy who wrote. Okay, sure, yeah, sure. Okay. David okay. All right, we got to write all that down. We got a guest list. <laughs> all right, hang on. Actually, let me write them down. So how did, how did you first get into uh, role-playing games? So I started off, I had a friend who played D&D and I blew it off and I really wish I had paid more attention. He was, he was with the old, the old red box, the BECMI series. Sure. And I wish I had paid more attention. I've kept in touch with him. He's my oldest friend. We've known each other like 45 years. And um, I wish I had played with him back then, but I didn't. And I didn't pay attention until I started to get into the computer games. I played the Pool of Radiance and mm -hmm. subsequent games from that, Curse of the Azure Bonds and Pool of, Pool of Darkness. Um, and I love those and I love those so much and I love the mechanics behind them so much that I actually bought a player's handbook, a second edition player's handbook, just to understand sure. how the game was working, like what Thaco was and how, why was AC negative and all that kind of fun stuff. And I actually got a couple of friends together in high school um, and we started playing second edition D&D and mm -hmm. I had a really cool campaign with Lord Manchun as the bad guy. Me? And yeah, it, and, and they, they, at one point they faced Manchun and he broke a staff of the Magi over his knee Ooh. and yeah, he disappeared oh. and they all, they all teleported to hell and then they spent nice. a bunch of can, you know, big part of the campaign trying to fight their way out of hell. So that was, that was good times. And then I, I stopped when I went to college and I got back into it in college for a little while. And then we stopped in college and then I got back into it in third edition when my wife, uh, my wife and some friends of hers were playing, uh, mm -hmm. 3.5. And we started playing 3.5. And at that point, that was probably maybe, what was it, 20 years ago? Yeah. 21 or about 17 or 18 years ago is when I started playing pretty regularly, right? And mm -hmm. then all through 3.5 or the, the end of 3.5, beginnings of 4E, all through 4E, into through D&D Next and 5th edition and, and still, still playing. So how did you make the transition from I play D&D and I love it to... I'm a freelancer writing content for fourth edition. I, I have a tendency of, of getting into a hobby and not letting go and getting like really, really, really into it. And, and, and I don't know just, anyone like that. Yeah. Just well. obsessing about it. So like, <laughs> I was in my, my wife and I were actually both into the game EverQuest uh, for yep. a long time, yep. but it wasn't enough that I was into EverQuest. I, I also wrote for like one of the top websites that wrote articles about EverQuest called Mob Hunter. And then mm -hmm. Sony invited me out there to join in these big councils they had of players. So I got to be oh, cool. flown out to San Diego to hang out with them and talk to them about why their game sucked. And <laughs> it was it was really, you know, so and then and then I switched from that into into D D and the same obsession of like, I want to write stuff for this. But the difference was like in EverQuest, you could you could write all day long, but it's a bunch of developers are gonna decide whether they like what you want. Sure. In D D, we don't we don't we're not beholden to anybody. Right. Nope. Like Wizards of the Coast is making stuff. We don't have to use it. We can house rule it. We can write our own. A million third party publishers are putting out stuff, which means we yep. can write whatever we want. So that was so much more freeing to, to, to kind of work in that model, mm -hmm. uh, even though in fourth edition, it was not exactly the time when, you know, they were most open to third parties writing stuff for fourth edition. Right. Um, not really. Not really. No, but you could still do it. Could, but the other part was like it still didn't matter. You could kind of control your own fate. And uh, so I started writing a website. I, I knew I wanted to write a website that was that was focused down on how to make better DMs. That was mm -hmm. uh, kind of the niche I wanted to get into. And so I started Sly Flourish a little bit more than 10 years ago mm -hmm. and uh, and then said, I'm going to write an article every week. And I'm and Twitter was kind of just starting off. And I said, I'll just yep. start. I'll, I'll do a DM tip. Right. Like no one wants to hear about what I'm eating, but they might want to hear a tip and I can kind of, you know, read and listen to other people and find good tips and drop them in and just do one tip a day. You know, Twitter's perfect for sort of digesting one tip a day. And that, that sure. worked really well. But wasn't it at the beginning? Like, was it just 
like it was a ridiculously small amount of characters too. So 140. I'm, yeah, 140. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it was ever smaller than that. Um, so getting your getting your DM tip into 140 that never, characters. Yeah, that 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 wasn't a problem then. It's really not a problem now. If it, if it's oh. longer than 140 characters, it's too long. I like, have words. I know. You know. Don't get me started about Twitter threads. And it's like, hey, blogs. You know, I remember blogs. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a Twitter thread person, but I, I, I typically write a message and then like I'm like 20 characters over, and I'm like, let me, <laughs> let me pick 20 right. that don't need to be here. Editing, editing tweets down so that it fits within the. the exactly, the, but I won't get rid of any more than 20. Yeah. Exactly 20 characters are going. Yeah, but I find that some of the tweets, some of the DM tips that I do that are the shortest tend to be the most popular, and sure. and it's and it's well, because people petty. love general advice. Yeah, they like you know like. I don't know. Some of them are pretty terrible. And then people are like, ah, that's the best. And you're like, I'm not telling anybody anything. So yeah. But like, yeah, but I agree with it. They're like, okay. Like uh, even a party with dark vision all has disadvantage <laughs> in dim light. That was a new that, one for me. That was a hot take. I know. That, was a good one. <laughs> that, that take was time out. What did I miss? So, I oh, you, you didn't see that one today? That was on <laughs> Twitter. I have a, I have a secret. I have another secret. Uh, the tweets that you're seeing, I wrote probably 45 days ago. You scheduled them. Yeah. yeah, they're all scheduled out. So I actually have no idea day to day. Um, I don't, works. I don't think, I don't know if you, if that one was yours today, but I saw it's several right. people repost the sage advice thing. And I, I saw it in short form once. Cause then people, were, wrong? no, you're right. People okay. were I mean, I wouldn't stop. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> people were uh, quote retweeting it, which is why I saw it because it was popping up everywhere. And yeah. people were like, that's fucking bullshit. And then people were like, well, actually, if you read Sage Advice. Yeah, I think it's sort of the combination of a couple of rules, right? It's like two things you have to sort of mash together to get there. But the reality okay. is yeah, dark, when, you're in, when you're going around with dark vision, you're at disadvantage on perception checks. Mm hmm you know, and, and everyone's like, wow, I thought, you know, because there's so many people like, oh, dark vision's broken, right? Like, oh, one character, dark vision. And, you know, we don't got to do, no one needs light. You know, like everything's fine. And, and you're like, actually, it's not that good, right? Like dark vision is dim light. And in dim light, you're at, you know, you're at, you're at minus five on passive perceptions. And you're yeah, you just, you have a slightly, perception. slightly smaller chance of stubbing your toe on the yeah, coffee table right. is all. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is because no one wants to be at disadvantage on perception checks. So then you're going to light a torch. You're like, great. Now we're back to the way D&D &D ought to be. So. <laughs> but the way it's been all over Twitter today, it was the spiciest take. I have another, I have another thing to admit, which is recently because just Twitter's been so hot, like not, not, not good hot, bad hot. Uh, I only check it once a day in the morning, and I, I check it for about fifteen minutes and and kind of read through what's going on, and then I get on with the rest of my life for the rest of the day. So I didn't even know it was hot. So I'll find out later. I'll find out tomorrow morning. Look what you did. Look yeah. what you did. Good. Well, I, you know, my, I mean, worse would be I put something out. It was really popular and I was totally wrong, which again has happened, <laughs> has happened in the past. And then I have to go like, hey, I'm an idiot. Right. So, turns out, turns, turns out I'm an idiot. Turns out you chose human. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. We, we, we make mistakes. Mm. Uh, elves might too, but I haven't met one yet in real life to ask. <laughs> yeah. Right. According to the lore though, they do not. <laughs> so so you mostly give advice for dms not entirely but most of your body yeah, sure. is dm the, advice the stuff that has gotten the most attention is is yeah that that kind of sharing advice sharing advice for dms yeah. um how how do you come up with all this 
I, I really, so I, I, you know, that same obsession, right? Like literally you can, you can, you can check with my wife, but like an hour before this show, I was like, I have one hour to kind of help the world of D and D and like help DMs today. What am I going to do with that hour? Like, what am I going to work on? And, and you know, what it was, is like, I'm going to study a bunch of stuff. Right. So I, I, I try really hard not that, yeah, I, I, I tried really hard with the stuff that I write that it's not Mike Shea's dumbass opinion because I could be wrong. So Instead, Hello, what I angry do, GM. Let's know. That's a whole other. That's a whole other topic. So, um, so what I what I really want to do is like I want to I I want to try to understand the the general thoughts and opinions. Like I I was really excited to have like David Christ on on the mm-hmm. DMP dive the show that I did, uh, and you know Paige, you were on the show, and yep. um. You know, it's like, here's a guy who has like 10,000 DM surveys, right? More, I think. Yes. So like, think about the wealth of knowledge he's got mm-hmm. about what people are looking for in D&D games and what doesn't work and what does work. Like, that's pretty fat. Like, it's flawed. It's got all kinds of problems. Don't, you know, but holy so, God. So the thing is, games. what Dave really has is a collection of numbers. He, he barely gets any comments about what people actually like. Well, he just, what he told me was when people don't like it, he gets lots of comments. Yeah. <laughs> like he said, that's like, that's I'm, true. When people score low, it's like seven sheets stapled together with like an essay, you know, like 10,000 word essay about why their game sucked. And I've written some of those. So I know that. I will admit, I did long. write an essay once. I had the worst game I've ever experienced in my life at a winter fantasy one year. Yeah. And you know what? I only used the one sheet, but I wrote as small as I could. I took the entire back and then right. I flipped it over and used all the white space on the front too. Yeah, yeah. I handed it in to Mary and I said, "Sorry, yeah. I hope someone can read this." Yeah, right. It's like <laughs> written around the edge, right? It's like a full sentence circle around the outer. Yeah. So that's what he said. But yeah, he had some really. I mean, that that so that hearing from that is so like because like at the same convention where I where I talked to him about that, I like went out to dinner, and I saw a guy at dinner and and it, it was just two gamers hanging out i think it was like pax unplugged or something so it actually wasn't the same convention but i was at dinner and and here's a guy and i'm like so what games do you play and he talked about a bunch of war games that he plays he's what do you play and i said i play you know D fifth edition and he goes my problem with fifth edition is and i was like man i didn't even ask right but like everybody's got an opinion and i don't need to hear as my wife says like you don't like listening to people unless you're listening in an aggregate and i'm like yeah that's pretty much true right like i want to hear the opinions of 300 people not one sure. Right? It's true. You do a lot of the data analysis. We see that. So what I really want to do is like, what what are the general things that people are really finding are having a big impact in the game, and what are the things you know that we can we can safely discard, or what what are the the you know, and and one thing I, I you know I think Paige and I have had this conversation before. Longevity is no indicator of a good DM, right? Correct. And actually. You know, I've got data to back that up because David Chris said that, you know, he could actually see it in the data <laughs> that longevity is not an equivalent. Of... Now, of course, and the fairness in that, like those are very particular games for very particular yep. people in a very particular setting. And he even says, like, you can't use this and extrapolate it to all games because he knows people that are awesome, well-loved home DMs that rate terribly at Adventures League stuff it's an entirely different beast because like you know you get used to your home game you get used to what your people expect you sit down at a table full of strangers you run it like you do at home and they hate it yeah yeah and so we're not and and you know the goal isn't to like rate all the dms right or like well just because you and your friends are having a good time you're still a crappy dm like that nope you know if you guys you know if you guys are having a good time you're good right but we can all kind of learn little tips and tricks on how to how to make our games a little bit better um, and, and I have some, and I'm, I'm opinionated about them. There's some there I feel like, yeah, other people are doing really great with this, 
that's not kind of the style I want to take. I want to take more of this style. And, and so I, I work on that style, but I don't discount the fact that other people are having fun with the other style. Sure, um, sure. So I had it, I had it out on Twitter recently about theater of the mind, right? I, I posted a, a post saying, what are your best tips for running theater of the mind? And guess what? I don't need to hear. Don't do it is not the kind of tip I was really looking for, right? Even though I had a bunch of people that are like, don't do it. I'm like, when you wrote that, did you think like, I'm going, oh, I didn't consider not doing it, huh? Like, let me add that to my list of good tips. <laughs> so, you know, but, but, but I had one and I was like, and I kind of did something I sort of regret doing, um, which was one of them. I don't even read who does them. I get them in this big spreadsheet and I read the spreadsheet and kind of get you know, what terms work out. And somebody posted something like no one has ever had it. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty close to this. There's no such thing as a great game using theater of the mind. And I'm like, hang on a second. Like, I get you. You don't like theater of the mind. And I'm on board with that. Lots of people don't like theater of the mind. There's actually people who have very good reasons not to, not to there, there are, there are problems that people have visualizing stuff sure. and they can't, they can't deal with theater of the mind. And I'm like, oh, there's a word for it. There's a word. I can't remember the word, but yeah, there's a word for it. And I'm like, I'm with you, right? Like, and the same way, I have one of my players is blind. She's not real good with gridded combat. She's not real excited about gridded combat, right? So hated fourth edition, I'll tell you. But she loves to be in the mind. So um, obviously. So, but my point was like, don't take your opinion and spread it across the whole world, right? Like, and I, and I probably have done it. I'm sure I do it. I'm sure I'm doing it right now. That like I have an opinion and I assume everything is that way, but yeah. So so, so that that's so I I really don't want to do that. And so what I try to do is say let's look at how people are playing these games. I watch a lot of games. I listen to people all the time. I re recently like I I actually I know Reddit is can can be a you know, wretched hive of scum and villainy a lot of the time, but the DD places over there are actually pretty good. And I'll read those a lot because there's so many new DMs that talk yeah. about their experiences as new DMs. And I don't know anything about what that's like anymore. So right. <laughs> to read like what it's like to start off with fifth edition for the first time, you know, is really interesting to me. And so I, I try to learn from that and then, and then distill that into useful tips and tricks and advice. So, so if a new brand new DM came to you tonight yeah. and said, I'm running my first game tomorrow yeah. night. Yeah. What is the top thing that you would tell that DM to do? Uh, so I have some boring ones, uh, and then I'll, and then I'll say well, some, yeah. some that are, that are good. Sure. So my boring one is like, just pick up the starter set or the essentials kit and start with that and try not to go like, I'm directly responding to a lot of the things that I've read on, on Reddit where they just like, Oh, I'm, I'm first time DM I'm homebrewing. And my friend has a class that he wants to play that he picked up on a website somewhere. So I'm totally going to let him do that. And we're going to start at level 11 and you're like, Oh, you know, no, like, no, no, sweetheart. Yeah, no. like, oh, slow down. Like, just so. So, my my advice is because I've seen it work start very at well. The beginning. Start at the beginning. Get the starter set. Play Fandelver like everyone else. I play I the even, fighter. I don't know. even recommend Fandelver because Fandelver is can be twenty some hours content. It can, I but recommend... the start is pretty nice and like you're fighting some goblins in a in a cave. Like it's pretty Fair. straightforward. And, yeah. and 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 I do I do think that. Well, I would, except then they got other problems. Uh, Dragon of Ice Fire Peak is also really good, except it kills first level characters. So, you know. I <laughs> yeah, but so can, so can Lost Minds of Andover. true. Yeah. I think. Goblins are pretty hard. They are. They're not a ochre jelly. And it no. depends too. <laughs> <laughs> no. or, a, or a manticore. If, if, you, if you get a DM who's too new and yeah, runs yeah, combat, right. well, like, is, hard. Oh, man, I could get into a whole side project about, about why Wizards of the Crow seems to want to kill first-level characters in every adventure they put out. 
What, you don't want to fight a blue dragon when you first start? Oh, God, blue dragons. And then, yeah, and then I, you know, that was my other big Twitter drama was like, really, we're going to have a guy that's 75 hit points and does 26 points of damage as your first level monster and ice, you know, dragon vice, or not dragon vice fire. What's the new one? Rhyme of the Crossmaid. But, but, okay, so though you're supposed to meet them, but then not fight them immediately. Does it say that in the book? Anywhere? No, we're just supposed to intuitively know that. Like we're trying I'm to help DMs here. I paid fifty dollars. Tell me what I'm supposed to do with the book. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I don't disagree with that. But I'm just saying. I, you, I think you're right, and I think it can run really well. Your first it doesn't piece of say advice that. is definitely go for lower level content and start there. Well, start first, and I would and I would start like either with the starter set of the essentials kit, recognizing that you have to kind of watch out about getting killed by goblins because yeah, that can be bad. <laughs> Um, so that, that would be my number one advice, but then I, I have like a few other pieces of advice for brand new ones. Like, you know, recognize that the story needs to unfold at the table. You're not really in control of the story before it happens. You're never really in control of the story. Right. And, and the, the story is what occurred. The players. Yeah. Okay. Don't, don't, don't be a, don't compete with the players, like work with them. You're, you're there, you know, be, be, be a fan of theirs. Put mm -hmm. the characters first and foremost. Uh, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I've, I've got, a, I've got a bunch of stuff like that, but yeah. I was just wondering what the top piece of advice, cause there's somebody listening to us or that will listen to us when this drops, that's going to be going, today's the day I'm going to start DMing. Probably number one, so, getting aside the, just keep it simple and, and, you know, keep, keep it simple and just start, just learn, like, just learn how to play D and D. Like it's, it's not mm -hmm. easy, you know, it's not the easiest thing to pick up. And if you start modifying it immediately. And, and the desire is to do that, right? Like people want, yeah. they've, they've had worlds packed in their head forever that they're just dying to get out there. Sure. And, and, I, and I recognize that, but like, you know, you'll have time for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But probably the, the biggest one is like be, be on their side. Like don't, you know, work, work for the fun of the game and be fans of the characters. Mm -hmm. uh, don't compete. And I know DMs that have been playing 30 years that don't do that. Right. Um. Is there any particular piece of DM advice you have that just absolutely changed your whole worldview? Is there something that was just revolutionary? Yeah. Um, so it's a concept called secrets and clues that I, I wrote into. I actually wrote Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master because of that one piece. Like, you know, I already had a book called Lazy Dungeon Master that covered most of it. But then I was like, oh, there's this one thing and I've started using it. And oh, my God, it's completely changed how I play D&D. And, and it really fits into this niche of, of preparing to improvise, right? Which sounds counterintuitive, but isn't, right? Like there are definitely things you can do to prepare to improvise. So the idea of secrets and clues is that a, a big piece of your prep is to write down the 10 things your characters might discover in the next game, right? In the next session. And they're just like one sentence long and they are driven around the idea that they matter to the character in some way. It could be history. It can be a story hook. It can be, you know, character background. It can be, you know, the next place that they're going to. It can be whatever you need it to be. But the the, the dirty trick is you don't decide how they're going to find it. You don't know where that secret's going to come up. You just keep them handy. And then during the game, you can see opportunities to drop them in place. Maybe they yeah. talk to an NPC and the NPC tells them some stuff. Maybe they go into a dungeon and they look at a mosaic on the wall and the mosaic tells them a little bit of the history of the place that they're in. So you can find it. And generally you don't, in my, in my experience, I, I end up exposing about half of these, mm. but having 10 every session means I have more than enough material to like drop some interesting stuff in the middle of an encounter. You know, if they, if they, 
you know, it could be something that like a boss yells across the room at them when they're getting ready to charge. It can, it can come up sure. many different ways, but it works really well. If you think about like, if you were doing a murder mystery, you know, it, it, it's the idea, like you can move the clues to the murder around anywhere so that wherever yeah. the characters happening to be investigating, they're still going to find the clues to the murder. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's that, that was a trick that has, I think made my games a lot richer Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I've now been doing it a long time. I've been, you know, I've been doing it that way for about five years. You could do it with either published adventures or or your own campaigns, so um, one shots or campaigns. However, however you, you come up with the secrets and clues, or your players do. I do, yeah. So they might have theirs, and you can always you can always have the sort of like what's what are the secrets the characters have, and you know, there's mm -hmm. fun things like that. But in this case, I'm talking about yeah, secrets that are revealed to the characters, and it's ten every session. And the other dirty trick, which throws people off, is you don't keep them. So you, you do your 10 and you, in the throw next session, you throw them away and you come up with 10 new ones. And people are like, why would you do that? I know because like, otherwise you end up with an Excel spreadsheet with 278 clues in it because there's <laughs> always going to be a bunch of clues you don't expose. And the other reason is that like the world is changing each session mm -hmm. and you want the world to change. So like I, I had a bunch of secrets. I'll give an example that on my Sunday game, I had a bunch of secrets that were tied to. A, uh, an NPC that had a connection to one of the characters and the NPC was in this tower off to the side and they knew about the tower and they knew the NPC was there, but they said, you know what? This other thing is more pressing. We're going that direction. We're going to skip the tower. And I took those seven secrets and over my shoulder, they went. And it's like that. It took me 10 minutes to come up with them. So I don't care. Right. Like, it, it, you know, that's fine. Like it, they didn't have to get exposed. And now I come up with 10 new secrets for the direction that they're actually headed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a real, it, you know, and, and I've, you know, it's a it's a it's sort of a power trick that I've now seen lots of DMs using, and it seems to work out pretty well for them as it, as it has for me too. So that that to me is probably like a, a relatively unique, you know, yeah, unique, yeah, unique, like unique tip. But yeah, it's a, it's been a good one for me. I'm gonna use that cool. when I you know eventually run a, a game again sometime. <laughs> You're very busy. Well, that's right my number now. one tip: run a game. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, no, that is that is true. Like someone who's never DM'd who wants to DM and and Chad Page, you know how many people I've taught to DM now because they learn how to play D D at MomoCon and then they're like, You always need volunteers. Can you teach me to DM and I'll volunteer for you? Fuck yeah, I can if that's if that's uh, the truth. Yes. Awesome. Okay, well how do I start? Well first you run a game. But yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Good that's news. Right. Yeah, good news no one does. Yeah. <laughs> We're all winging it. I'll sit someone next to you and you're going to run this game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They'll help you. That you're going to run it. Yeah. Just to, just to throw another, another kind of side, side bit in there about, about advice. I was actually just writing an article about this. Um, and there's something that came from David Chris, which is that rules mastery is often seen as a really valuable skill that isn't nearly as valuable as think it is. people think it yep. is. So <laughs> the idea of like, oh man, I got to know like every spell, like I don't, you know, I've been playing this since it came out. I have no idea what all the spells are. Yeah, over half the time, my players like, I do this. Okay. Tell me what it does. Yeah. Right, re, yeah I don't yeah. know. Right. Or, or how many times I'm like, I don't know player stuff. Like you tell me how that works. Like how does this right. bunk develop? I'm like, I don't know. I, roll a die. I, I don't, I don't know. Figure it out. I, I still have yet to play a barbarian, uh, a wizard, and something else in yeah. fifth edition. They just really? monk. Yeah. Now you played a monk. I've, I've played monk. Uh, yeah. And so somebody's like, "Well, my barbarian does this, this, and this." I'm like, "Cool." <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. So that that's that uh, another sort of you know if a, sort of a, a counter piece of advice for new DMs would be don't you know you need to know enough of the rules to be able to run the game smoothly. 
and that's pretty much it. And after that, you can you can rely on your players and 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 just it's not the end of the world if you're like, hang on, I don't really know how that works. Let me take a break and and look that look that up and figure that out. And there's lots of neat tricks like the uh, passive perception uh, uh, dark vision thing, right? Like, you know, it took a long time before people figured that out. I didn't know. I didn't know that was true. What's that? I- I'm going to promptly forget that one too. I read it today. I read it today and I'm going to be like later. I'm going to be like, I don't want to know There's that. something. <laughs> yeah. it, it was relatively recently. And I think, I mean, like this year at Winter Fantasy or maybe last year at Winter Fantasy, uh, that I discovered that the bloodied condition actually does exist in 5e. They just don't call it bloodied. Hmm. It's in a sidebar somewhere that really? when you take about half your hit points of damage, you start showing significant damage but at no point in time do they use the word bloodied interesting bloodied is a hangover from fourth edition right i was gonna say so you know i can no longer use my line like in a previous edition of this game you would be referred to now as bloodied correct correct (laughs) i actually had my players call that out it's like page there's no need for that uh i'll find it afterwards and show you but uh bloodied for people who didn't play fourth edition was half hit uh, points, yeah. yeah when you're at half hit points you put a marker on the, the character or the mini to let people know that you are bloodied <laughs> yeah and going to it's, need uh, food. and it was tied to a number of other effects right yeah. like in chapter nine combat the sidebar is on the same page as death saving throws describing oh, the effects of damage uh dungeon masters describe hit point loss in different ways when your current hit point total is more Half or more of your hit point maximum, you show no signs of injury. When you drop below half your hit point maximum, you show signs of wear, such as cuts and bruises. Wow. I have been playing 5th edition since the get-go, and sure, that yeah. was news to me. <laughs> there's a lot of, I got to say, like, there's a lot of interesting stuff in these books. <laughs> like, I, I open up the DMG and I learn new stuff all the time. Like, I, I yeah. think that is a highly underrated book. Like, people are all like, I don't need it. And you're like, there's a lot of good stuff in the DMG. And I really, I actually really like that sidebar. And I did know that one because I've read the sidebar to several people because they're like, it doesn't exist at all. Nothing like that. Um, my favorite part of it, though, is the last sentence. An attack that reduces you to zero hit points strikes you directly, leaving a bleeding injury or other trauma. Or it simply knocks you unconscious because the number of people, well, what does it mean when I'm at zero? Right. <laughs> you're bleeding out, man. Yeah, you're dying. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of fourth edition, uh, yeah. and I, I dearly love fourth Ooh, edition. Yeah. Yep. Sly F- Flourish is a rogue power from 4th edition, right? Yep. Yep. So how did you pick that name? The domain was available. Fair. <laughs> Fair. You want it, if you want a better story, I could try to make one nope, up. But nope. The reality that's, is I had, I had a whole list of stuff, and I went down the list until I found one that had a domain name, domain name available. Fair that enough. Fair enough. Right. No, that, uh, that's valid. Very valid. Yeah. Uh, how, how was your transition from fourth edition to fifth edition, I I had a player of mine who said, uh, you know, she she was she said like, do you realize how much you've changed as a DM in like the last seven years, you know? And and I think even I think I was having a conversation with David Hartledge uh, of DM David at one of our one of the conventions where we met up, and he was like, you know, he's like, you read like your old articles and you read your new articles, they're not anything alike. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I think that's probably good what scares me is like what will they be in seven years from now like how much of a doofus am i being right today you know and so the answer is a lot right and i think the big ones like like the the, that advice that i was talking about of like being a being a fan of the characters like i wasn't not a fan of the characters but i was in fourth edition lent itself to a more competitive nature between 
players and DMs. Like it, Mm -hmm. and players had the characters in fourth edition had a lot more control over what occurred in a in a battle that hindered, in my opinion, hindered the narration that a DM could 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 do in that battle. The idea of like you know forcing characters to only attack somebody else, you know, the marking condition, right? You can mark everybody around. Yeah, inter constant interrupts, right? And and there was a lot of unbalanced stuff in fourth edition that just made it plain hard, especially at higher levels. And I ran a lot of hard for you. Oh, it God. was it wasn't very great as a sorcerer, in my opinion. As a what? Sorcerer, whatever yeah, the. Sorcerers were not not. Fabulous. I don't. Yeah, I don't really remember. I mean, I barely played for. Fighters I, were really good and. Yeah, well, the, and there were a lot of. I mean, you know, boy, and, and certainly by the end, it was like I can't keep track of the talk about not knowing character abilities. I mean, they had like literally thousands of feats at the end. Yeah, if like it hadn't been thousands, for the, hundreds of the class builds, online character generator, right. no one could have played it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was kind of crazy. And um, so, so I, I certainly was. I, I think I, I think I played to fourth edition's style, which was you, you kind of focus on your as your combat encounters as your main centerpieces because they take a long time. They have a lot going on in them. And you're going to tie those together. And then you sort of build the loose sinew of a story between these big combat encounters throughout an entire campaign. But like, well, you, you can't still challenges. Yeah. yeah right. So you, you can, you could sort of sit, you could sort of sit and like write like an outline and be like skill challenge, combat encounter, you know, story combat encounter. And like, so I was much more rigid in like how I thought about, um, not not just like how to thought about like an, thinking about adventure, but even things like map design. So like when I was working on uh, Vault of the Dracolich, uh, which was the D and D next one, so we were still kind of used to four E. I'd written a ton sure. of four E stuff at that point, and I remember I designed them. I, I I sketched out the map that I that I thought of for this adventure, and I and I sent it in. And Greg Bilsland, who was a producer over at Wizards of the Coast at the time, sent it back, and he's like, "This is a four E map. Like we don't do maps like this anymore." And I'm like. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what do you, you know? And it's like, because it was all like, you have your like three rooms in a row, right? And here, because you can only fit three battles in a game. So you don't want to have these big sprawling dungeons because you're like, this is a one shot game, right? And it turns out in fifth, it's not like that anymore. You can actually get through a lot of rooms in fifth. Um, So yeah, I've I've certainly changed significantly, but I would say the the big areas where I changed were, uh, in that idea of getting, trying to remove the competition between players and DMs that, that I'm on their side. Like the, to me, I can tell that I'm, I'm in a better place because when my players critically hit something, I'm really happy about it. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, I shout with them. Right. And it's like, it's like a craps table, right? Like yeah. everyone's on your side at a craps table. The only the people that are doing the, 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 the that one bet that bets against everybody at the table, those yeah. jerks, other than them, Everyone else is on your side. The pit bosses are on your side. The dealers are on your side. They all want money and they all get tips based on how much you win. So everybody wants to, the only enemy is the bad numbers on the dice, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think D and D can be like that too, right? Like, you know, I don't, I don't revel in my, uh, sometimes I do, you know, <laughs> generally speaking, I don't revel in, in the success of the villains unless they're like a really good villain that you want to have some success with. Yeah. I get excited yeah. when anybody rolls a crit. My players, my my, yeah, my villains, that's whatever. Probably true. Yeah, I try, not to, I try not to get too excited about the crits on villains because no one else is excited except me. <laughs> I can't um, help it. I get and I have villains do terrible, terrible things, right? Like I had, I had a uh, 
yeah, uh, not to tell a story about my own game. Um, one of the players in our game, one of the characters summoned a greater demon as their spell. They beat a boss really quickly, but the demon got free. And I'm having so much fun with the demon. And the demon's looking around at all the people it can attack. And it shows the artificers walking around flamingo cannon. As the thing, because I just hated that cannon so much for so long. And having the, the, the borrow girl grab the cannon flamingo and bite its head off. And the player's like, no, you know, and I was like, oh, that was so, I just wanted I, to do it so bad. I might've had some uh, wild magic surge summoned flumps, kill someone's f- owl familiar. Cause yeah, fuck that owl. Awesome. <laughs> fuck yeah. that owl. So fuck much. familiars in general. <laughs> like, yeah, right. And I was like, you know, and now that the flamingo's dead, we're going to institute some old school first edition system shock rules. <laughs> right. Like he's like, I'm good with that. Like I feel it now. You know? Can't believe my poor flamingo cannon. Yeah, good times. Killed that owl, and he's like, "Can I cast Fire Familiar?" I said, "Yeah, but think about it." In an hour, right? <laughs> yeah. So my, I have a familiar rule, which is like, if you bring out the familiar in combat, I'm, you know, the the that familiar is now in combat, right? That means like nope. if a fireball hits you, it's gone. So I'm like, if you don't bring it up, I won't remember that you have it and everything will be fine. Right. But, but if the you, minute that familiar does something, <laughs> yeah, useful, it does anything in combat, if it, it aids you toast. or it goes invisible. Yeah. I did the same. Yeah. I did the same thing. My, one of the characters had a, uh, an imp familiar who uh, like repeatedly would get just plastered to a wall, you know, and like, like a slice of pizza. You know? <laughs> like, just cause I was so annoyed by the familiar, the poison, invisible poison. That's obviously yeah, not deep yeah. dish pizza. No. Yeah. <laughs> you can't plaster. Like you're peeling them off the wall, and it's like holding a bowl of spaghetti. He's like, no. <laughs> I also make the familiars angry when they come back. Yeah, sure. Angry familiars for flumps. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, talking about fourth edition, there was um, an infamous Tome Show podcast, as Paige puts it, with you talking to the leads of fourth edition about a year into that. Um, I mean, we're obviously not the late fourth, uh, fifth edition, but, um, so you were talking to them about the state of the hobby then, like, how do you feel about the state of the hobby these days? It's in a really interesting place. Um, and, and so, you know, about expert predictions, right? That, 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 I guess I, I'm, not, I'm not predicting anything. We're just talking about where it is now. So that's yep. good. I can yeah, do that. Sure. I can talk about this now. Predictions, predict, expert predictions are BS, right? Nobody, nobody knows Correct. is the answer. Right? Correct. There's tons of people have won Nobel prizes about the fact that nobody, that experts have no idea. What like talking my about. job is literally predicting risk. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, that's just probabilities. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I don't know, roll a die. So, um, <laughs> uh, so I, I mean, it's 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 it's. So I think it's in a, it's in a really interesting place, and obviously, I think Tasha's is going to have a big a big effect, right? Oh yeah, yes. So, so that one we 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 know is coming out, and we know what Xanathar's was like, and we know that that's going to have a, a big a big effect, and I think that will be good and cool. Um, it's also really nice because there is an SRD, so there's lots of third party publishers making lots of stuff. And it, it kind of hits this idea that like, I love the idea that, that like, I mean, I like fifth edition D&D a lot, obviously. And I'm glad because it can survive a nuclear war. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happens with Wizards of the Coast. And it doesn't matter what anybody else does. That game that we have in our books on our desk is going to be there forever, right? You know, yep. As long as, long as books last. Um, I definitely think that our eyes have been opened a lot recently to 
uh, you know, to the state of the world and to a lot of things that have been buried under the buried under the rug for a long time. And Wizards, Wizards has been called out on this stuff in the last few months. And, sure. and, 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 you know, I mean, and they've been reacting to it in the way you kind of expect a company to react, which is too slow, given the energy that we've got, but not, not, they haven't been reacting, you know, completely negatively either. And the yeah, example but- is like the monster manual. When you read some of the entries of the monster manual now, they do not hold up in today's world, right? And like you read what they say about orcs or goblins and that like all goblins are a bunch of little thieving bastards and all orcs are really angry, you know, savages. And you're like, man, that the the days for that language is over, right? Yep. And and we need and and they're they're trying, right? And it's like, I mean, they're they can't short of like writing a new monster manual, it's gonna be hard to fix that stuff. Um but they are, you know, their their solution is always like, we'll just sell you another book. Right. right. Personally, I would be a hundred percent for scrapping the monster manual and rewriting it because none of the monsters passed about C very few of the monsters passed about CR5 or CR appropriately. They're all right. Yeah, they're a mess. Yeah. So mechanically, yeah, mechanically they there's there's definitely some problem. But that's something I've been dealing yeah. with for forever. And you know, but uh, but I'll tell you, like, it's still easier than fourth. Right? Like I'm I still feel like the book is playable, you yeah. know, without with hardly any changes at all. But you're right, like yeah, it's challenge rating appropriate stuff above above a certain level is really hard. But then also I think even more you know, even, even worse than that is the way things are described in there, you know, and, and this, this sort of all or nothing, you know, I've, I just recently read an old Robert Howard story called Red Nails that was recommended on another D&D website. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is unreadable now. Like it is so racist and it is so sexist that like, you know, like maybe you can get something good from it, but oh my God. Right. Like what you have to wade through. That's what I'm remembering. Yeah. And, and I don't think the monster manual is at that level, but there's definitely a tone, you know, a, a tone to the language that, that needs, needs to work, you know, needs work. And I, I talked to Michelle, like my, my wife about it, you know, always talk about this all the time. And, you know, I, I wondered like, is, th- is that going to be what sixth edition is about? Not about new mechanics and not about like a, a whole change of the game, but about changing the tone and the nature of, of how D&D has been in the world. Because that seems to be the problem that's bigger than the mechanics problem. Yeah, I I mean the mechanics are so smooth. I'd hate to throw that baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, don't worry. Easier yeah. to write new love. Fifth, and I don't want a sixth. And yeah. I think with Tasha's coming out, they're not about to make one anytime soon. No. But the other interesting thing is like the only, if you look at every edition of D anD D, it was never because there was a need in the marketplace. It was because a new personality came on board at Wizards or at TSR. Yeah. So really, it, it could it, there could be a new one whenever somebody new comes on board. It's like I want a new D anD D. Like okay, I guess we're gonna have one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would to to me that's probably the only part of fifth that hasn't, in my opinion, and and you know as a cis white guy, my opinion it doesn't matter that much in this in this whole topic, right? Um, that seems to be the area where it is not holding up the most. Mm-hmm. But mechanically, it's really solid, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know I hear all kinds of complaints. I get a lot of people that'll that'll send me stuff, and they're like you know, this game's broken because of X, Y, or Z. And you're like, man, it doesn't seem to be getting in anyone else's way, right? Like 40 million people are playing it. Have yeah. you tried like not doing that or yeah, just saying, or just, just relax no. a little bit, right? <laughs> like don't, don't hang on. Whatever that thing is that really bothers me. And I've got some like Heroes Feast drives me bananas, right? But I'm like, oh, I'll be okay. I'll just make, I'll just make it really hard to get thousand gold piece bowls. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's things that super annoy me and I just make it right. clear. Like, we'll, be not, we'll not be doing that here. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> please, please don't set four counter spells in a row. Like, is this really the kind of game we want? But yeah, so, so state of the game, you know, I think it's, you know, I think what I, what I love about it is we are not, whatever Wizards of the Coast decides doesn't matter that much because the game is ours. Like, you know, D&D, we don't own the trademark, but we own the game and we can mm -hmm, kind of yeah. do whatever we want with it. And, and I think that, you know, that, that, that's. That's a powerful position to be in. The community is the game in a way. Yeah. Between right. D&D Beyond and the DMs Guild. Yeah. I, like this is, a, I don't even recognize this game as it's played now compared to Redbox. And that's awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I was very resistant to D&D Beyond at first because it's like, hey, I've already paid for all these books. Sure. Right. Uh, like, wow. It's so nice though. <laughs> Yeah, now, now I can't right. comprehend how you DM without it. Like right. it is literally incomprehensible. Well, and that's that's a little scary too. So, so both the things you bring up, you know, I mean, scary, you know, frighten me. Not like cancer, but like you concerning. Know, yeah, a little like question. Yeah, questionable. I don't even know the right word. But but two things is like you know would how, how would fifth edition survive without Beyond? And the answer oh, yeah, is absolutely. sure because because yeah. we did we did we played it you know for years before dnd beyond was out yeah. so like i remember there was one day where dnd beyond went out right i don't know if you guys remember this it was a weekend and it was out for like 24 hours and i was in the People middle of the were game losing their, minds. losing their minds and like we're like <laughs> and it was kind of like we were like like ah ah what do, what do we do oh 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 that's right oh, yeah and you pull out your player's handbook and like look up a spell again and you're like oh that's right yeah. we can just look it up but they were people yeah. were just bananas so, so there's that. And, and so part of it is like, we don't know that if the relationship between, uh, you know, the company that owns D&D Beyond and Wizards is going to maintain itself forever. Yeah. Hopefully it'll probably, maybe it'll be there as long as we're interested, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll have to see, but if it's not, we're still okay. Right. Yeah. And the other D uh, DMs Guild is another one where DMs Guild is really, uh, revolutionized the game. It has revolutionized the game, but it's also still very tied to what Wizards is allowing or not allowing. Sure. And and yet we have the whole other side, which is the drive through RPG and self-publishing and all these other areas where, you know, if, as long as you don't use a beholder or write for the Forgotten Realms. Or an owlbear or, or a not, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's not, it's really not that many, right? Like the monsters yeah. you can't write about. You can't call it the Forgotten Realms. Yes. Right. But you can write a lot of stuff. And and that to me is is really powerful. And we've seen, so. I mean, look, look, Cobalt Press is, you know, my opinion, killing it. next killing best. It. Yeah, just killing it, right. And and all their stuff is written without Wizards permission and without any kickbacks or anything like that. And that yeah. that is a powerful, like the fact, like I was talking about, it's like, it wouldn't surprise me if one day Cobalt Press is like, why don't we just do a player's handbook, right? And then we've got all of it. <laughs> then we have a whole fully playable fifth edition compatible, but, it, you know, we have our own thing. Yeah. Um, so, so I think I'm glad that like the OGL exists. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm glad that, um, you know, I'm, I, I mean, I love the DMs Guild too, right? God knows. I, I've, I've, luckily for me, the royalties that I'm getting for those two stupid AL adventures I wrote keep, keep me buying all the stuff in the DMs Guild. Yep. Um, I haven't paid real money to the DMs no, Guild either. in a long time. <laughs> I buy a lot of stuff there, right? Like, nope. I just, I, I go there every day and I'm like, oh, that looks cool. And I buy it. <laughs> I mean, you know. my credit card's technically linked to my account, but I don't know if it's one that's expired. Yeah. Nice for us, isn't it? Yeah. Right. And, and yeah, the stuff that's coming out of there is amazing. You know, like, yeah, yeah I mean, and the, and the people, and like, there's really some awesome new new stuff that's coming out there. And it's so, yeah. democratized the 
publishing process, which previously was highly dependent on a network of relationships yes. with people who could publish. Right. And now, fuck that. Like, and it's... Yeah, it's like mostly fuck that, though, right? Because it's like yeah, Wizards sure, is still sure. there, and, you know, there's still... Right. There, there's, I mean, yeah, I, I could get on my whole, my whole thought about DMs Guild if, if you want, which is we just have, great. We can have a second show for that if you want. You can have a second show <laughs> because you know, we're already well past an hour, aren't we? Um, no, no, no. No, we're not. So, uh, yeah. So, so it's great if you want to write for the Forgotten Realms. It's great yeah. if you want to write uh, and, and use monsters that are their IP. And it's great if you want all of the artwork assets that they have available there. That's all awesome stuff. Um, and you know, but you are giving up, you, you're giving them a perpetual exclusive license to your material for that. You can never you put that thing anywhere else. You can't kickstart it. You don't have access yep. to your customer. So I can tell you like as a, as a guy who all, almost everything I publish is outside of the guild. I have access to every customer who's ever bought any of my products. I can email them directly. Right. Yeah. And no one in the guild has that. Right. And, and there was a year where, um, return of the lazy dungeon master was up for an any, and so was, um, uh, uh, the book Uncaged. And mm -hmm. I was like, man, Uncaged is awesome. Like, there's no way I'm winning the, the any for that. The difference was I was able to email all my customers and tell them, hey, vote for me for an any. And Uncaged couldn't do that because the DM skill yep. doesn't, doesn't give people access like that. So that's, you know, there are, there are advantages. You know, like I said, it's, it's, it's a great platform when you, have, when, you, when you want those things, when you want to write for the Forgotten Realms, when you want to write with all of the assets that they offer. And, and, and there are many people who have published it, in both places that also it's, say- It's kind it, of good training wheels though for a, yeah, for a writer. Yeah, sure, sure. And it, and it does give, yeah. I think, I, I think I, I've, I've argued this point in the other direction long enough that I'm pretty sure I'm wrong, which is it's a good platform for, uh, it's, you know, if you want to sell fifth edition D&D stuff, you're probably going to be more successful selling it there than on any yeah. other single platform. The difference is I can sell on my own site. I can sell on Amazon. I have an audiobook version of my stuff. I have uh, drive through RPG. I can be part of a, a bundle of holding. So I have so many different avenues yep. where I can sell my work that I know that those make up for the fact that a fifth edition product would actually do better on the guild. That you don't have that captive audience of the guild. Yeah. I don't have the captive audience, but I'm also not captive to them. Right. I can, yep. I can be any, but the big one is Kickstarter. Like holy cow! That is huge right now. Yeah. Holy moly! And, and like so, so, so James Intercasso and Scott Gray and I uh, did a Kickstarter earlier this year for a book called Fantastic Layers, yeah. right? And and our initial book was ten layers, but because of the money that we got through Kickstarter, we made it twenty three layers, right? Yeah. So it's more than twice as big because we were able to do it on Kickstarter. If we had gone to the DMs Guild and done it there, it had been ten, yeah. right? And and we probably yeah. would never have made the money back. That's the lovely thing about Kickstarter is because you're almost better off going in with just a little bit prepared because that way, if people don't like it, you're not sinking a whole right. lot of time. We know, we know exactly it. how much they'll like it. Right. We, we'll know, like, do they like it at all? And, and will they fund it to begin with? Yeah. And then, yeah, it's great. And they're like, wow, they really like it. Wow, they really, really like it. You know? And then we're like, mm -hmm. and we could do the math and be like, how much does it cost us to do an extra layer? Well, it costs this much. Okay. You know, put more in. And what that means is the book is paid for before it's ever been published. Yeah. Right. So every copy that we sell after that is, you know, golden because the book, you know, the, 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 the book is done and it's not cheap, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the, the book. So, so seeing like, um, 
MT Black and um, JVC Perry and 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 uh, you know Jeff Jeff Steven wearing my Jeff Stevens shirt. Yep, yep. Oh, that's, those are so cool. Those shirts, that's great shirts. Yeah. So uh, they're all working towards Kickstarter these days, yeah. you know, and 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 they've all started with the DMs Guild. And I, you know, again, like you want to write, you know, you want to write Forgotten Realm stuff. That's the place to do it. It's fantastic that you have a place to do it because it was illegal every other time. Yeah. Um. But but you know, there's a cost for that. And beyond the twenty percent that Wizards gets, you know, on top yep. of the thirty percent that 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 DriveThru gets, and that yep. cost is it's the exclusive perpetual license. You know, yep. you can only ever sell it there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but I don't I'll take that away. DM Skill is an amazing. You know, you're right. It it has it's changed the hobby. It has changed it has the changed hobby. Changed the hobby. Yeah, yeah. And there's awesome stuff there, right? There's yeah. really awesome products. The so, yeah. the other thing that I feel like has completely revolution. Like I feel like we're in the middle of a threefold revolution. The, the first being D&D Beyond, so we're mm-hmm. consuming our rule books in a completely different way. The second being DM's Guild, which means we're publishing in a completely different way. And the third being... Coronavirus. <laughs> courtesy of our friend, the Rona, <laughs> uh, is that we're playing online. Yeah. We're playing online and oh, not man. playing. Yeah, that, so I think both of the first two snuck up on me over time. So much mm-hmm. so that until you've brought it up the way you just brought it up, I wasn't thinking of it that way. No. But I'm hearing you. I'm like, you're you're absolutely right. And I've but I've just never thought like because that was a slow, yeah. Like took a while for D and D Beyond to pick everything up. You know, it took a while before all the books started going in there. But now you're right. Like all my game prep, I do with D and D Beyond. I buy the yeah. books, but it's almost like they, they go right on the shelf. <laughs> like I'm like that's yep. great. You know, not useful. And then I'm like, you know, on my phone reading it. You know, yeah. So yeah, you're um, absolutely right. But yeah, the the one that literally happened overnight for me was going to online play. I, I hardly ever played online. And then... Oh, I had to learn Roll20. I had to learn Roll20 real quick. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't even use Roll20. <laughs> so... What do you use? Fantasy Grounds? No, I do Theater of the Mind with Discord. So okay, we do... Sure, sure. Yeah, so we... Um, I've got a, a pretty good system now for like, I'll, I'll, I'll keep a copy of a map on my mm-hmm. side and I'll do like a lasso copy and paste and then yeah. paste that into a channel that we have in Discord of Maps and Handouts sure. so they can see what a room looks like. And they mm-hmm. could describe my guys down in the lower left corner by that table, you know? Mm-hmm. And then everybody can kind of figure it out that way. Sure. Um, okay, so you're still providing the visual. So you're, still you're, the visual, not- it's just we're not moving tokens around on a map. Yeah. 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 Although I found a really great tool. So, you know, Roll20 is awesome. People love Roll20. I love Roll20. One of the owners of Roll20 used to be at my game, uh, um, Richard Zayas. And, uh, and, and boy, people dig it. It's a little heavy for me, and there's a yeah there's a there's a there's another tool I've been using recently called Albert Rodeo. What is what is I that? have I've recently heard of that. Yeah, so Albert Rodeo, it's a free to use. It's it's two two people down in Australia made this right after coronavirus. They were both developers. One's a front end and back end developer, and they um, built this virtual tabletop that doesn't even require a login. Uh, you could just you could just go into the site, start a game, drop a map. It's got a bunch of default tokens that you can use, but you can also add any tokens you want. It throws a cookie on your machine, so it does save your settings, even though there's no sure. account. And you can copy a URL and drop it into Discord. People click the Discord, they go to the map. Anybody can move anything. So sure. you got that problem. But that's, I um, mean, that's not a problem. I mean, Yeah, but and it has a little dice roller, but you never need to use it. So you, you roll dice wherever you want. You can roll with Avray and Discord. You can roll them sure. physically on the desk, whatever you want. It's really fast. Uh, so I've been using that when I've been doing my play test for Fantastic Layers. Typically, I don't use a grid, um, but but for Fantastic Layers, it's a very yeah, boss fo- boss fight focused game. Yeah. And I want to play test it like people are going to use it. 
And um, so it, I've been playtesting it using Albear, and my players, all my players, dug it, including a bunch of people that use Roll Twenty. Like, wow, this is so much faster. So again, not knocking Roll Twenty. Everybody should use whatever tools are helping yeah. them play D anD. Yeah. But if but if people are finding that Roll that Roll Twenty is a bit heavy, um, Albear Rodeo, and it's only one of many. I've gotten a bunch of other people that are like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of VTTs. That I will say, I'm definitely more into Roll Twenty now that somebody played me through a game of Burn Bright, which is Roll Twenty yeah. only, and I'm like. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paige, yeah. I want all of the all of the burn bright things, by the way. So I have everything. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I picked up burn bright. Yeah. I haven't played I, it yet. I, have a fair I, I bought bit it. Of it. Yeah. yeah. For me, that that transition of literally, like, I had two home game or two, you know, two game, one, a home game and an in store game, and both of them, I said, hey, we're gonna go to Discord. Like, not playing wasn't an option. Like, I'm definitely want to play, and yeah. now I'm playing more D and D than I was. I'm playing about three games Same a week. Same here. Yeah. And um, I, I, and for me, it was a, I really saw it. I'm not normally a big optimistic guy, especially on days like today, but you know, I, I'm, I was really optimistic about this. Like I get to learn a whole new way to play D and D and help share my experiences with all the people that have been, that have been following my other crap. Yep. Right. And so like, I'll be learning it with them. And that will be really interesting. And and it was like I I, I quickly found a setup that I like that that has been stable and easy and and inexpensive, and and I've been trying a lot of things, which is always bad because I like I'll write an article and then I'll realize like wow that was terrible like that was terrible advice and I have to go back and either modify and delete it or whatever. Um, but yeah, that I've now I've probably run more than a hundred games online in the last seven yeah. months, and um, that that has been I mean I don't it's probably a little dramatic to say I wouldn't have survived if I couldn't have done that, but not, I would have been much more miserable, right? You, like it's hard to thrive without. Yeah. Me. I'm a dude who's high risk for, you know, if, if I get coronavirus, it's bad more mm -hmm. so than more so than everybody, not, not everybody more so than some people. And so I'm like stuck in my basement <laughs> while all this is going on. And, uh, being not able to playing do that D &D is, yeah. is bad for my mental health. It's like straight up bad for my mental not health. having, uh, you know, not having something like D and D is bad for anybody's mental health, right? Like we all need it. We all need some kind of social connection. This is why sure. I think this is what we're doing is important. All of us, like you yeah. guys, all of us is that D and D really matters. Like D and D is important and, and it's, and I think it's saving lives. I think that especially as adults, it's hard to have a good yeah. reason to get together with people you know, and, and have a reason. And, you know, I've, I've talked to neighbors of mine and they're like, all we do is get together and talk about our kids, you know? And, and it's like, there's, that now, sounds miserable. Right, I, I hear it and I'm like, ah, right. But, and they, they kind of know it. They're like, we actually have, like, there was a, a woman across the street who's like, we have a time where all the, all, you know, all the women get together in the area. And the rule is you're not allowed to talk about your kids. <laughs> they have to, you know, they have to do that. And, and, and so having a, a reason for people to get together, you know, there's also like the whole toxic masculinity, like men, it's hard for men to just be friends with other men. Sure. You know, cause there's this it, bullshit really fear of homosexual, like, oh, it means I'm gay. Yeah. And it's like, A, great. Like, who cares? B, right. you could be friends with people and, and, you know. Yeah. And, it's, and it's okay. It's awful. It's okay right. to so be that, that is so destructive. I've read whole articles about how people are just killing, yeah. literally killing themselves over this. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so being able to get together with people and say, let's just, we're going to get together and play D&D, &D, you know, and I've mm -hmm. got friends. We get together again, two, 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 three groups that get together. Yeah. And it's clear, like it's, it's helping all of us.
So, yeah. Especially in a time when we're all so isolated. Yeah, right. And scared. And dealing and, with yeah. uncertainty. Right. Nobody likes uncertainty. <laughs> no, no one does. So, yeah, I, 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 I yeah, I, I can't imagine. I'm so glad. And you think about it and it's like, what if this had happened 10 years ago? Mm. I think, I think, you know, we It'd couldn't do this. Yeah. yeah. And we're, yeah. you know, not that be, I don't want to downplay what's by, happened. Quarter it'd be million. Played by email. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to downplay a quarter million people dying because, of, you know, nothing we're talking about is worse than that. But, you know, wow, we were lucky to have it happen now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and that we have that ability to connect with people and, and not lose our, you know, lose our connection with others. So, yeah. And, and it's allowed a lot of people who don't normally have a good chance to play D D to have yeah. a good chance. Like yep. a lot of third shift people who the yep. only days yep. they can play D D is Tuesday yeah. and Thursday from mm -hmm. 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time. Yeah. Or like, mobility impaired or all kinds of sure. you know social social anxiety issues. So yep. totally different. Yeah, totally different sort of sort of avenue. And the interesting thing for me is because I did I spent so much time hanging out with people online in games like EverQuest. I met my mm -hmm. wife there. Like we both, she was, she was in EverQuest. Sure. She played a very tall, strapping male barbarian. And I often wondered like, would I have, you know, cause I was in my twenties and I was not, you know, yeah. Would I have treated her differently if she played a female character? And if I had treated her differently because she played a female character, would she have gone out with me? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm glad I don't have to answer those questions. That's yeah, true. Worked yeah. out. Um, so I, I was used to playing with people online and, and sort of having those, you know, building those connections online before. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so it, yeah, I think, I think that, that helped a lot, but, um, yeah, I can't imagine, I can't imagine not having that, not having that connection. And I'm, I'm glad we do. Yep. Oh man, that, I think that is a powerful, uh, statement to end this episode on <laughs> actually. Um, so yeah, so it's a little over an hour here. And I just want to thank you again so much for uh, being on the show with oh, us tonight. Absolutely, my pleasure. Yeah, yeah no, this has been. It is really good to talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to talk to you guys too. We love seeing <laughs> yep. faces. All right. Um, well, before we go ahead and do the closing for the show, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you online? Um, sure. And anything you've got going on. Uh, so the two best places to find me are on my website, slyflourish.com. Uh, and, and if you are interested in the things you see there, you can subscribe to a newsletter there. Uh, good way to get the articles straight to your, straight to your inbox that I'm, I've been, I, something I've just recently added. I wish I had done that 10 years ago. <laughs> I didn't. Um, newsletters, newfangled invention. You would, right. You, you wouldn't think, I'll, 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 you know, not to. Go, hey, let's just go back right into topics again. But boy, as a publisher, you have no idea. I, I, I had no idea how powerful newsletters are. And they're like, they're like the oldest technology since the internet, right? And, you know, yet they matter. And, and they're, 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 in my opinion, way more useful than what I, the kind of interactions I get on Twitter. Um, and yeah, but the other place to find me is on Twitter, you know, twitter.com slash slyflourish. So slyflourish.com for the website and, and Twitter. Okay. Yep. Twitter well, we've got your Twitter website, Patreon, Twitch, YouTube, and Discord links on the show page for you. <laughs> I've got a lot of places. I'll, I'll tell you another place. Like if, you know, if for some reason you want to hang out, the hangout places on Discord, like I'm there, you know, like I said, I've been reducing my Twitter time to, to, you know, about 15 minutes in the morning and then all day I'm in Discord, you know, and yeah. it's, it's just... It's 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 sort of like the difference between being at a big rally and being at a coffee shop, and, and the, yeah. the, the coffee shop nature of Discord, uh, I'm finding to be a really a really nice and, and relaxing place these days. 
All right. And Paige, where can everybody find you? So you can find me in various places around the internet, like Twitter and Facebook at Paige Lightman. That's spelled L-E-I-T-M-A-N. You may find me on the website where my husband and I keep our writing portfolio, and that's benandpagewrite.com. Or you can join me on Monday nights from 8 to 10 Eastern for Feats and Fables on twitch.tv backslash Feats and Fables, where I DM a game, and it's a lot of fun. Jenny, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, and I don't know, everything Flip under my name. Flipbooks, flip book, I mean. <laughs> yeah, Jenny. Pigeons. <laughs> I don't think I've named any carrier pigeons after me yet. But yeah, everything's under Jenny Love Day. That's G-I-N-N-Y-L-O-V-E-D-A-Y. My, my, my website is actually the same thing, JennyLoveDay.com. And you can join me on my Twitch channel Sundays at 4 p.m. Central for my show, The Designer's Den, where I talk with designers uh about something they love and about their general design philosophy i might have to get you on there sometime mike so you can show sure. your face to the world <laughs> um, I, love, I love this stuff yeah um and you can find the dnd roundtable of course on twitter at d the letter n d roundtable we're on facebook under the same and you can always shoot us an email to dnd roundtable at gmail.com thoughts comments love letters about our guest whatever it is that you want to share with us um we're there for you and don't forget, please like us on Facebook, leave a review on Facebook, iTunes, wherever you find your podcast. We appreciate your support and feedback. That is it for this episode of the Roundtable. Join Goodbye, us, dear friends, next time with the Mad Mage Merwin. Ooh, Sean oh, Merwin! Yeah. Yeah. That's right. All right, bye everybody. Bye.